Welcome back to another hour with Crowder with me, your host Crowder. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. And if you're already a subscriber, go ahead and ding the bell so that you can get all of my latest podcasts every Tuesday or whenever I put them out. <laughs> Dang, my head kind of crooked. I don't even like that. I don't know what's going on with this head. I've been trying to get it together for ever since I got on camera. Anyways, let's go ahead and get right off into the top the topic of the day. Um, Marcel Jenkins, Marcel Dixon, and Dion Jenkins had a vetting process last week, and I want to go ahead and bring up a clip that I had picked out because I want to go ahead and break it down and give my thoughts about what I got from that back and forth with them and how I viewed this and how I feel like the black community should move from now on when this these type of things come up in our community and we're combated with this. And I'm I'm about to piss some people off tonight, but look, I'm not in this for popularity. I'm not in this for for uh, notoriety. Even if I don't win, I want to inspire the next generation to win. To, to so next time we can do this right. The fourth deal breaker is married outside of your race. How can you be fully trusted? As a black who descended from American slaves, but build your family structure outside of us. You have a responsibility to to your family and your spouse is your life partner. So it is extremely difficult to convince anybody who is thinking rationally that you can serve us and also have family priorities to another group. You cannot be in charge of our political representation because you have conflicts of interest. All right? And last but not least, and I know that uh, we have a brother in here who's running, and and before I say this, I want to make this clear. I think what he is doing is very admirable, and I have no personal gripes with this brother. But I think there, that there are some questions that need to be raised. And I haven't heard one person ask this question yet. But if we're going to have people who represent us in political representation, somebody have to ask it. And if you don't like me because of it, if you want to hate on me or not want to vote for me, oh, be it. And last but not least, and this one is going to be the hardest for us because we already allow one to slip through the cracks. We all know who he is. But any reparations candidate who have sexual degenerate lifestyles, especially if it is LGBT or histories of verified pedophilia, not to say that the brother is, I'm not saying that. And I would like to highlight the word verified because anybody can make an accusation to try to destroy someone's political career. However, if a candidate is admitted to have an LGBT lifestyle, and one question must be asked, is that candidate willing to vote against against the LGBT policies that the Democrat Party are trying to push? I do not care how he answers that question. The truth of the matter is this. In order to pass reparations in Congress, we are going to need a network of individuals who get into Congress. So with that being said, Congress passed laws based upon a majority vote. Getting people into Congress is going to take a movement of way more than one single individual. So, 
we are not going to be able to get reparations until we have more people getting into Congress from the grassroots. And since the Democratic Party are already ushering in LGBT policies, then your reparations candidate is going to have to take a stance against the LGBT community because he will see a vote on these policies even before he see any chance of reparations. So how can you sincerely say that a gay candidate is going to vote against his own lifestyle? Now, I, I didn't see anything wrong with what Dion Jenkins said. It's just that the timing is wrong. It's... From what I can gather, it's a couple of weeks before elections, and the people in California don't even know him that well. He brought up the possibilities of Marcel having conflict of interest because of him being a black man that's gay in politics. He's basically asking him what's going to happen when the bill that is proposed benefits the LBGTQ community which Marcel falls into that group. He asked if he will be able to vote against his lifestyle. Now, I, for one, feel like that's a very good concern for the black community to have because politics do overly use the black woman in the LBGT community card on us to win elections, but then forget about the black community when they win those elections. What Dion really is asking is, how are you going to keep your intersexuality in check, me as a female black podcaster, I find myself fighting this as well. You, it's a lose-lose situation because if you choose your sexuality, then you drown your black voice. And if you choose your blackness, then you drown your sexuality. And that it does happen in some points in trying to be pro-black. You come to this crossroad where you have to pick being black over your sexuality, even though you have had the experience of a black gay woman or man, and you go through trials and tribulations in the even in your own community. But at the end of the day, you have to put that aside because you have to go with being black first overall. Because if we don't go with being black first, then what good is your title that you've acquired throughout the years, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or gay or straight or whatever. All of that doesn't mean anything because white supremacy look at us all the same behind those labels, and that's being black. Now, I called this upcoming situation when I did an episode a while back. I knew there would be some concerns about Marcel's sexuality I knew that it would be one nigga that would focus on his sexuality and not his policies because some people just get lost in the sauce and think that we're all just going to be on one mind, one sound, one band type shit, and that's just not the case. It, it kind of seemed like, to me, if you, if you watched the whole thing like I did, it seemed to me that Dion was being homophobic and he was disguising it under caring for the children because that's what they always throw in there when they want to talk shit about the LBGT community is that they just have a concern for the children as always, you know, because they never care about the children until it's just some gay shit. They never care when it's um some, some 
concerned about the children is straight shit, you know? <sighs> I mean, Dion just seemed to be putting Marcel's sexuality above him being black when we know that being black will always trump any label you have when you are in a system that is unfair. At one point in the vetting process, Marcel asked him if he would vote for him if he was running up against his opponent in California because, you know, Marcel is running in North Carolina and Dion is running in California. They're not even running against each other. So he asked him if I was the person in the same shoes as you and I was you and I was running against your opponent, would you then vote for me since, you know, you're, you claim to be black first because you're focusing so much on my sexuality? And his response was, um, I would have to. Now, the reason I feel that he responded that way, because he if he was really black first, he would be like, of course, you're running on the same campaign that I'm running on, which is a reparation poll proposed campaign. Of course I would. I would never, you know, not. But he said, I would have to. Like, someone's forcing him to, you know? And it's not because he doesn't agree with, you know, his policies because Dion and Marcel are basically running the same campaign proposal just in different states. So it has nothing to do with his policies. It has everything to do with him being a gay black man and him not wanting a gay black man as representation in Congress for black people, you know? And it sucks that that has to be the case with us as black people because it's like if we disagree then we just got to throw each other in the trash and if we do agree then it has to be down to the very t or no if you don't agree with all then you don't agree with none and that's how we become and with that attitude we're just not going to get anywhere you know y'all remember that interview that i did with marlon brown and we was arguing about working together even though it was differences and you know um I asked him if he would work with someone with um, that had a different religion as him. And he said, no. And Marlon is one of those type of men that is very, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of black person, Republican, conservative, you know, the type. And it, it struck, it struck me as odd that he's that person. And he said, he wouldn't work with someone of a different religion because people that are conservative really don't care what you own as long as you're talking about this money. As long as you're trying to be in the same movement as I am, we they don't care about what what that is. They, they don't care about that type of stuff. They don't care about religion. It's the money first and then whatever else that we have in common. So... My thing is, you don't want to work with him because he's of a different religion, despite the fact that he has the same values as you. Because the man that I'm talking about that is similar to Marlon is Minister Louis Farrakhan. He is a person that is always talking about do for self. Um, do don't don't wait on nobody to give you a handout. And, you know, as long as you're doing for self, then things will come and you'll have control over it and that's where you want to be. So it's very odd that Marlon Brown don't want to work with someone like Louis Farrakhan because he's a Muslim and Marlon's a Christian, so he ain't going to work with that type of man because he don't, you know, serve the same God as him. 
And I find that just very small minded. And it just goes to show like how we been behind for so many years because we can't get over the hump of just being different. Black people love to scream. We not monolithic. We not monolithic. We're not a monolithic. And I feel that because I see punk gothic black people. I see black conservative, black Republicans, you know, black people that skateboard. Black people are very diverse, but it's like I diverse, but it's like we don't know how to put that diversity aside to get the better common goal for our race in general to get moved forward. We don't know how to push that to the side so we could get that shit popping. And I'm just really honestly tired of that. And that's the same thing, that situation with Marlon not wanting to work with someone like Louis Farrakhan, despite the fact that they have the same morals and the same values. It's the same thing that Dion Jenkins is doing to Marcel Dixon because of him being a gay black man. You know, that's the, the name of the game is not unison. We're never going to get anything popping with everybody doing the same thing. The name of the game is really unity. As long as we're all working towards the the common goal of black people, then nobody should have a problem with a difference in opinion. Okay, you have a difference in opinion. So what? We could still get whatever we got going popping. Let's just get it done. Because your body don't even work in unison it works in unity the heart pump the blood to all of the organs and then the kidneys you know flush out the waste and then your eyes are starting to see i don't know if, if if every part of your body just saw what good would your body do if every part of your body just pumped blood what good would your body do that's the same a mindset that we need to have in the black community from now on everybody don't need to do the same thing to to move forward actually it works better if everybody is doing something different because then we have eyes and we have movement and we have um pressure on all sides of the fence of this white supremacy that they have boxed us in we gotta stop getting caught up in the differences that we have and start looking at the things that we agree on so that we can move forward and then wait a minute hold up hold up because i i'm i'm looking at my notes and i had one more point and then <laughs> at one point in the conversation after he realized that everybody was getting on his ass for you know trying to talk down on marcel then he said oh this don't have anything to do with you know marcel being gay or his sexuality or anything like that so my whole thing was, okay, if it didn't have anything to do with that, then why did you even bring it up in the first place? Why, why, did, you ha why did you feel the nerve to say all of this stuff about his sexuality if that wasn't the case and that wasn't the problem? Why didn't you just focus on policy if that wasn't the case? Okay, so, so I want to get into this other story about the 100-mile border patrol um, I want to be able, I, I want to see what this is because I've been following this story for a, a little bit. Actually, it just got on my read, radar the other day, and I've been reading a little bit about this. So I want to know more about this. But I'm gonna 
talk about what I do know so far and keep y'all updated on it. And I've seen a couple of people getting up in arms about this, and there's really no need to to a certain extent because Border Patrol and the 100-mile Border Patrol has always been a thing. It's called a checkpoint, and it, it's been going on forever. But what is um, unique about this this story and what's going on in Maine is that Maine, the whole state, is a border patrol. And they've been going to the Supreme Court and trying to get rid of this rule because if we're the whole, if if the 100-mile border patrol rule controls a whole state, then you literally violate the for, their Fourth Amendment right every single day whenever whenever you want to because they happen to live 100 miles within the U.S. border. Let me just read a little bit about what's going on because I don't want to. A Supreme Court decision handed down this week called attention to operations by U.S. Customs and Border and border protection carried out within a hundred miles of the U.S. border, a zone that includes all of Maine and has been the subject of legal action here. The high court ruling in a case brought by a bed and breakfast owner from Washington state came down to an, an issue of when individuals can sue law enforcement. The decisions does not have a particular effect on border patrol authorities. But the American Civil Liberties Union, Maine, is warning the ruling could still make it harder for other people to even take a case to the court if their constitutional rights are violated. In Maine, over the past five years, the Border Patrol's interior operations have been most visible through the searches at bus stations and along highway checkpoints. The circumstances of the recent case brought before the Supreme Court were unique. The plaintiffs were the owner of a bed and breakfast who also worked as a confidential informant for the federal government after he was pushed to the ground by a border patrol agent who had sought to search his property because a Turkish citizen was staying there. He sued, arguing the agent violated his First and Fourth Amendment rights. In a 3-6 decision, in the 6-3 decision, the high court ruled that the man could not sue. Justice Clarence Thompson wrote in a majority opinion that the national security interests of border security dis distinguished the situation from a typical Fourth Amendment case. And then I want to read one last piece of it right here. It is difficult to know in real time to what extent Border Patrol is conducting such searches, says Zachary Hyden, legal counsel for ACLU of Maine, since the group relies on news reports of accounts from passengers. He said reporters of unnecessary searches often increase in the summer when more people take buses. The recent Supreme Court ruling is not expected to have any ex effect on those sort of searches, but Hyden said the decision was concerning because rather than interrogating the merits of whether or not Border Patrol violated the bed and breakfast owner's constitutional rights, the high court determined he could not try to seek recourse in a civil lawsuit. So, yeah, that's crazy. And what I didn't know about this 100-mile border rule is that the Border Patrol has the federal right to go inside of your house and they have the right to harass you without probable cause. 
Now, in that article that I just read that y'all could go and read all of it, um, they said that that's not what this is about. But we all know that when it comes down to some type of emergency in America, they will violate your constitutional rights. They violated them all during the two years of COVID. So if they if you don't think that they'll violate your constitutional rights when it comes down to them wanting to, they will. Um, and if you're wondering what your fourth amendment right is, your fourth amendment right is this, the fourth amendment right originally enforced the notion that each man's home is his castle secure from unreasonable searches and seizes, um, a property by the government. It protects against arbitrary arrest and is by, and is basis of the law regarding search warrants, stop and frisk, safety inspection, wiretaps, and other forms of surveillance, as well as being cent central to many other criminal law topics and to privacy laws. So that's what they're violating all the time in Maine because the whole state is 100 miles away from the border of the United States. So their whole state is a checkpoint. And these cops can just go in there and do whatever they want to because of this 100 border law rule. Now, if you remember an episode that I did on Roe versus Wade and how that lawyer broke down that if Roe versus Wade was overturned, then other laws could possibly be affected as well. And the law that I was most concerned about was Briar versus Hardwick, which is more than just two gay men wanting to have privacy in their own home, but more about the government overstepping their boundaries and trying to extend the law of the land and apply it into your household as well. That's what that real, that, that Brower versus Hardwick law was really about. So, with this 100-mile border situation being front and center a couple of months after the Roe versus Wade was overturned, hmm, I'm wondering if we're seeing the after effects of that law being overturned, and is this the start of all the amendments being broken, overturned, or affected in some type of way? Is this the start of martial law? By any means, I get why they why we need border patrol and I get, you know, why rules are put in place to come to any country, but at what extent do we stop trading our freedom for safety? And by and by that I mean for us to have border patrol doing this, that means that there has to be some type of threat, right? And if there's a threat, then that means that we need protection. Now, the next question you should be asking yourself is, am I going to protect my family and myself or am I going to let the government protect my family and um, myself? And if you pick the second one, which is the government protecting you and your family, then you just have to know that some of your freedom gets traded in in order for them to give you that safety that security that you think that you have when out there in U Valley, Texas, the border patrol stood the fuck outside. You're going to trust that government to protect you and your family. Because in this case, the, the safety 
that they give you and the freedom that you give them is your Fourth Amendment right. And that what seems to be happening with all of these laws, honestly. Right now, the situation with the Border Patrol is, you know, that that that's under attack. You know, our, our, our rights to um, protect ourselves with guns, they're being under attack. You know, with every mass shooting that, that happens, we get closer and closer to having the Second Amendment taken away by creating more laws. When in reality, the government shouldn't even have that, that right to make a law to make us get licenses to be able to defend ourselves. That's unconstitutional. And once again, everybody should, everybody going to get mad at this, but whether you're a three-time felon or you're a straight-A student, the Second Amendment is about you being able to have the right to defend yourself regardless of who you are. But we all got scared. And now we paid them money to give us a license for the God-given right that was free in the first place. Our right to have control over our body is under attack. The abortion rights just got overturned. And just last year, we was unionizing to make sure that we all kept our jobs because we didn't want to go out and go get a vaccine. And sadly, that fight isn't even over because according to this news article, we might be handing over our sovereignty to the WHO in the near future, here's this little article right here that I had um, brought up. On June 18, 2022, officials from the Biden administration quietly sent the WHO extensive amendments without an official statement or a single press conference. These proposed amendments are written to strengthen the organization's ability to un unilaterally intervene into the affairs of the nation merely suspected of having a health emergency of possible possible concern to other nations. If these amendments are approved, the WHO will have power to declare an international health emergency, nullifying the powers of nation states. The U.S. amendments deleted a critical existing restriction in the regulation. Who shall consult with and attempt to obtain Verification from the states. Verification from the states party in whose territory the event is allegedly occurring. This enables the director general to declare health emergencies at will and can be used to justify ostracism and economic or financial action without the target nations by other nations aligned with who or who wish to harm and control the accused nation. Now I want to take it back just to one, just to one other thing that I read in here. If these amendments are approved, the WHO will have the power to declare an international health emergency, nullifying the powers of nation states. So that means that anytime like COVID, anytime they feel like 
this is a national state, I mean, a national emergency, then they could just basically do whatever they want to. So I just find that very funny that, you know, we're we're losing all of these amendments. We're losing, in some form or fashion, they're chipping away at the constitutional rights. You know, I just explained about the gun laws. You know, they're they're trying to get rid of those with all the mass shooting. I just said the one about control over our autonomy. You know, we, we don't have, we're probably not going to have that in the near future because we're going to give that over to the WHO, the World Health Organization. And and that means that, you know, any it's going to trump the state laws or the federal laws that you think you know and that you think that you have. And I feel like, them overturning Roe versus Wade affected that in some type of way. I, I wouldn't know because they just did it. And now our privacy is under attack. Because if you think that this is going to just stop at 100 miles of the border, you're naive. Next, we will have border patrol for all state borders. And some people will feel safe because they think that this will solve the immigration problem, but really it's just making it harder for citizens to travel freely, which that's already happening in some places like Maine. So I hope that we all understand that we might not be able to, can be able to fight the the law anymore in court for our constitutional rights. And if I wasn't crazy, I think that we are going to start martial law. Martial law is going to be in, in, in tack now. So I don't know. That's all I pretty much have for today. You guys, it's not going to be, wasn't going to be very long. I didn't want to come over here and drain you guys. So y'all follow me, um, in the bio, um, for the beacon. And that takes you to all of the streaming platforms that I'm on and all of my social media platforms that I'm on as well. Um, y'all have a good night. I'm out of here.